Welcome to our three-year anniversary. Uh, we've never had a three-year anniversary service here before. And we got some little surprises for you on your way out. We said we got to give you these wonderful people something as they leave. And so we're going to give you all a candy bar. And not just a candy candy bar. It's going to be a three musketeer candy bar. Come on, somebody. All for one, one for all. Come on. As a reminder of our three-year anniversary. And on top of that, we discovered yesterday, we have our own Summit Colas now. We have our own Summit Colas. And so we're going to give you a Summit Cola as well, as much as are left. You can pick them up at Aldi's. We distribute them at Aldi's now. And, uh, and if you don't like it, don't tell nobody. Just keep it a secret. But our own Colas and our own candy bar is going to give them to you today as um, a way of celebrating our three-year anniversary. Well, I was going to finish our word series this week, but I really kind of wanted to take a, a, maybe a week, and we'll maybe come back to it next week. And, and um, I, was, I started thinking about our three-year anniversary, and, and, I, and I asked, I, I, I said, Lord, give me three words for the three years that we've had here at Summit Church. And so I believe the Lord did that. He answered that prayer. And so today what I want to do is I want to give you three words that would describe Summit Church and you in the last three years. How many would be open for something like that? Three years, three words for the last three years. And so we're going to give you three things that Summit Church has learned in the last three years. And we're going to use the character out of the Bible by the name of Abraham. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12. We'll have it on the screen as well. I'm going to read it to you, and it goes like this. The Lord has said to Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I'm going to give you three things we've learned here at Summit in the last three years. Year one, number one, here's what we learned. That everything begins with purpose, and is followed by faith. Everything begins with purpose and must be followed by faith. God desired to have his own nation, so there was no nation that believed in God, so he found a man that did believe in God, only one God. And Abraham cried out to this God, and they began to develop a relationship. And, and from this one man, God needed a nation, so God decided he would begin a nation from the very loins of Abraham. So at one point in history, he'll be able, God, to bring his own son, the redemption of all mankind, to restore a broken relationship that Adam had initiated years ago into the garden. So this man Abraham was a very important man, and, but yet God could not initiate a nation out of him without knowing a little bit about him. He, God had to, if you would, a little bit, God had to test him. And here's what I want you to know from the get-go, that God doesn't call you out of something if he's not going to call you into something greater. I'll talk to your neighbor a little bit and just say, this is going to get good. I just feel it. Come on. 
This is going to get good. I feel it already. God doesn't call you out of something if he's not going to call you into something greater. Now, this is what you have to know about Abraham. We do do know he was a very, it was a true historical figure. There was a man named Abraham. This is not a made-up figurative symbolic figure. There was a man named Abraham and Sarah. Archaeologists have even found manuscripts referring to other than Scripture, and he was very wealthy in his time and in his era. He had no need for more wealth. He had all the wealth he could uh, imagine. He was one of the wealthiest archaeologists have discovered of that time, of that era in that world, in that part of the world. So he had no need for other things, but yet even as successful as he was, God still had greater plans for him, which tells me that no matter how well established or how comfortable or how secure or what mark you have already made, there's still more that God can do in and through and with you if you allow him to. And Abraham, well, he, was, he could have very well said, you know what, uh, God, God says, Abraham, I want you to come out. I want you to leave your household, leave your community, leave your county, leave your city, leave your relatives. I want you to pick up and I want you to go into a place that I'm going to show you and I want you to follow after me. Now he could have very well said, nope, I'm not going to. I don't know. I, I want to know you, God, but I'm not going. I'm not doing that. And he could have very well said that and gone on and enjoyed his 401k and, and his condo by the beach, come on, and his Lamborghini and his pool and all that life had to offer him because he had it all. He could have done all of that. And, and yet something inside of him said, I, I believe there's more to life than what I'm experiencing. I call it divine discontentment. I don't necessarily believe that discontentment is always from the devil. I believe there's sometimes where God stirs you up and he's behind it and says, there is more. You're settling where you're at. You need to get up and you need to follow my heart. And, 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 and here's what Abraham had. He had, a, he had a problem. Number one, his problem was he knew there was more. But number two, he heard God. He heard God speak to him. He knew that there was this, this voice, this God, this this impression, whatever it was, however God spoke to him, we, he knew that it was real and that something had to happen. And once Abraham realized that he had a greater, greater purpose than he needed, guess what? A new assignment. And so God says to him, here's what I'm going to do is your assignment. I'm going to take you, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. Not a great family, not a great guy. I'm going to make you into a great nation even though you don't even have any kids. And three years ago, Summit Church felt like the same thing. We felt like God was giving us a divine mandate. We heard in our spirit that there was a fresh new purpose. We, we believed and felt there was a shift happening. And God literally gave us a verse, and it's out there on the lobby wall. You can read it as you go out. You'll read it when you come in. And it's Isaiah 43, 19, where God says, see... I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
And we grabbed a hold of that scripture and a new excitement began to come to us three years ago and a new vision began to come and a new energy and joy came into our lives and a new faith began to come into us to make, literally make impact in our county, in our city, and yes, even into our world. And, and, and so we got this little side effect from this little word from the Lord that he was giving us fresh new purpose. And we begin, see, when you get fresh purpose, when you get a fresh assignment from the Lord, here's what begins to happen. You begin to dream or dream again. And we begin to dream and ask our questions like, I wonder what our community would look like if. We begin to ask ourselves questions like, I wonder what would happen if. I wonder if there's a way somehow with God's help we could and when you begin to dream, when you begin to ask those questions again, you don't know what the future is going to look like, but you just, you're just excited. And Abraham heard from the Lord. He's excited, and he's like, no doubt, asking the question that every one of us would ask, which we asked three years ago. And, and, here, and, and, and the question is, okay, God, I, I hear you saying get up and go, but uh, where are we going? I mean, come on now, you're married to somebody perhaps in here and maybe you know somebody. You just don't walk into the house and go, hey, get up, we're going to go on a one-year vacation. And they just go, okay, let's go. No, there's what? Where? 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 That's the question. Where are we going? What's this of where? You always want to know where because that's human nature. We want to plan. We want details. We want GPS. We want, to, we want to map out every turn of the journey. Come on, somebody. But if God gives us all the details, why do we even need him? So Abraham is no doubt in his heart asking God where we're going to go, and God says to him, I'll show you. I'll show I'm a multimillionaire in my region. Everybody knows me. I'm all over Time, I'm Time Magazine Man of the Year. I am wanted by, I'm wanted by all the news stations. They always wanted my interviews. All the business um, networks want my advice. I, it's not like I haven't invested. I got family here. We've got wealth here. We've got investments here. And, and I'm hearing you say, and I'm feeling excited about it, get up and go. But I need some help here. Where are we going? Where, I'm just going to show you. I'm just going to show you. Imagine that conversation with Sarah. Sweetheart, we're getting up, we're going. Where are we going? I don't know. Well, who knows? God knows. And he's going to show us. He's going to show us. I, I, I believe he's going to show us. And that's our story. Year one. We felt like God had purpose. And we felt and sensed this renewed faith coming into our spirits and excitement just was generated within us. And so I said to the Lord, God, we're starting a church. We have some people. I think we're going to need a building, though. So can we have a building? <laughs> and so I began to search for several weeks looking for a building. Can I tell you, I have been in or around or walked around every building in this community that could ever become a church. 
I went into city hall. I went to the school buildings. I, I went into VFW halls. I, I went to the civic center. I, I went to community centers. I went to old bowling alleys. I, I, I went to closed business centers. I began to even think maybe we should just buy a tent and set it up in the field somewhere. And then I didn't even know where I would set the tent up. We don't even have anybody around that has enough bathrooms for all of us. What are we going to, Lord, we need something. I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord God, Lord, we need, we need something, we, we need something. You're asking us to do this, so we need a place to get together. And I was praying about this every day, it was on the top of my mind, everywhere I went, I'm looking at buildings, wondering how it could become a church, and, and I'm pretty good at that, I, I've, I've done that before, and, but I was coming up with nothing, and and, and I felt the Lord, you know how you're coming out of your sleep and you're just kind of like in that twilight space in the early morning hours? And I felt like in the early morning hours that, that one night I was thinking of Abraham and I heard that scripture in my mind say, where God told Abraham, I'll provide, you know, I'll provide a, a, a lamb. I'll, there'll be a, a lamb. There'll be a provision. Just look next to you. And as he was sacrificing Isaac and God stopped him and said, look over there, and over there, right next to him, was a ram, and he sacrificed the ram instead of his son. And, and I, that scripture was on me, and I felt like the Lord said, just look next to you. I'm like, my wife is not a building. My, you know, my, I don't understand, I don't understand. And, and people say, what, 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 what do you think? Where, is there a building anywhere? I don't know, but it's next to us. I don't know it's next to us. I, what does that mean? I don't know. I'm doing the best I can. And so, so I looked at every, every place I could find, and so I went down to the pinnacle. Uh, the, 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 it was the pinnacle. I don't know if it's called that anymore. Down, down there by the Gulf Shores, by the movie theater, and they had a big open spot, and one of our guys there worked there. We managed that whole um, shopping center, and, and so I made an appointment with them, and, and uh, we went down there, and, and we walked around this big open, you know, place. I said, this would be a great church right here by Books A Million, by the movie theater. What, what a great place to have a church, man. And so we walked around. I'm looking how we can make nurseries and the kids' church, all that kind of stuff. And I said, hey, I think we can make this work. And, and he goes, well, let me make a phone call to the owners of the, all the properties. So he made a phone call. And while he's making the phone call, it starts raining. Big time. Thunder. And it's dark and it's gloomy and it's raining outside. And he gets off the phone and he goes, No, they're not gonna let a church have anything to do with our this property here. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? And so I just said to him, I said, Do you know of any place that has a place we could go? And he says, Have you checked that place in Glen Lakes, that Glen Lakes Village? It's a bunch of strip malls, like a strip mall area. I said, just the word strip mall, just is like, ah. I'm like, listen, well, I think we're going to have more people than a little strip mall. He goes, you might want to just check it out. I said, I, he goes, just check it out. He said, I did a little work in there. They made a little, there's a guy there that wants to, Started having like Christian concerts there and stuff, and and uh, you know I, I built a little concession stand, a corrugated metal, and you know it's a little in the back. You might want to check it out. I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. You know, it's raining outside. Call the guy. We'll see if we. He calls. Yeah, I'll show you. And we we meet over there. We walk to this place, Glen Lakes Village, right down the road. Walk into this place. The guy's opening the door, and he's my next door neighbor. I'm like. You own this place? He goes, yeah. I said, oh. 
And he opened the door, I looked in, I see a projector, I see a screen, a pose comes down, I see chairs, I see a platform, I see lights. I see a concession stand, coffee bar. I'm like, huh. And, uh, but there's no place for kids. And so I was talking to him, I said, well, would you ever consider this place, you know, for a church? He goes, yeah. I said, I didn't even know you had this place. How'd you, how do I not know this? You live next to, you're the, I, I mean, I, I, I mow my yard next to your yard. I, how do I not know you have this place? He goes, I don't know. And I'm like, well, how would we ever have kids? And, and he goes, well, the bakery next door, they, they, they're Christians. They, maybe they could, and so they have a big open spot. So I went over there. He said, would you ever think about letting our kids run? They go, yeah, not a problem. And within just a matter of an hour, we had a place. We had a place. Yeah. Now, granted it was small. Granted it was very um, elementary, but it was a place. And God was true to his word that he has purpose for us. You have to take steps of faith and believe that he'll work it all out. That is a truth you can take home with you. And then the second thing we learned in year number two is that we learned that few things come without perseverance. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, COVID. <laughs> but here's what I like, James chapter one, verse two through four. Consider pure, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance have or finish its work so you may become mature and complete and not lacking anything. Because this is God's goal for you, is for you to be mature and perfect and not lacking anything. I like what the Message Bible says uh, in the same version. It says this, uh, same passage, it says this, consider it a sheer gift. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, a gift. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So let it do its work. And so this is what we found ourselves in in year two here at Summit Church. Can I just say, first of all, that opposition does not mean disobedience. Just because you have a trial or an obstacle or something coming against you does not mean that you're out of God's will, you're disobedient. It's sometimes just part of the process. In fact, seven verses after Abraham receives this incredible download from God, I'm gonna make you to a great nation. You're gonna be a blessing to the world. People are gonna be blessed through you. Seven verses later, no doubt someone comes to Abraham and says, hey boss, the springs have all dried up. The brook hardly has any water in it anymore. In fact, the green pasture lands that were here when we got here have all been burnt up. There's hardly anything for our, all of our cattle and sheep and all that we have to live off of. What, what are we going to, seven verses after God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation, a famine hits the land. You can say to yourself, what is this? God, I think, 
You, you, I thought I heard you. I thought I'm doing what you've asked me to do. And now look at me. I'm out here. I had a pool. I had a condo. I had a Lamborghini. I had all the stuff. Uh, and now I'm out here. I don't even know how we're going to eke out a living. There's famine everywhere. What is happening? Did I make a mistake? Did I miss the Lord? Uh, I must have missed him. I, how am I going to get out of this mess? Uh, what's going on? Can I tell you that when you step out uh, into the word of the Lord, Sometimes uh, you will experience incredible adversity, tests, and trials will come your way, not to devastate you, not to destroy you, but to test your heart uh, because God's got greater things ahead of you and he's got to know what's really down inside of you. And when he realized that there's not a quit button inside of you, then when he realizes he's found somebody that's going to love him and serve him and follow him, whether he's got, we receive good things or whether we receive bad things, it doesn't matter because we're in this because we have a relationship and a love affair with our God. When he sees that kind of a person, he's like, hey, I think I can burst something out of this guy. And so, year two, City Hall, says, we want to meet with you. We go to City Hall uh, to go meet with the city council. And they said, we have some complaints. Too many people, too much going on, too much chaos over there. We're giving you six months. You got to be out. What? You know how hard it has been to find this place? There's not a place out there. We're not even two years old. We don't, we're not, no bank's gonna even look at us. We're, 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 we don't have anything. I, I, what do you mean we gotta get out? You gotta get out? I'm scratching my head. I'm thinking, what in the world are we gonna do? And then we just kind of said, okay, well, God, well, you know what we're gonna do. We, so we're just gonna keep following you. And you're gonna have to open up something. And right about that time, as the city hall says, we got six months. My wife gets diagnosed with cancer. I'm like, what? Okay, all right. Let's buckle down. Let's believe God and let's follow him and walk this thing out. And, and then, and then we, we come across this place and we're like, wow, this is amazing. This is wonderful. And, and of course, <laughs> if you saw it, in the beginning, you would be like, are you kidding me, right? Come on, it's an old red building, there's weeds everywhere, and it's sawdust every, all over every crevice of this entire building. It was, it was just despicable, it was despicable, despicable. It was despicable, I think the word, word is despicable. And yet inside I was like, hey, it's a building. We can do something with this building and, and, and we can, and actually it ended right here. And, and so let's blow it, let's buy this thing, let's blow out the wall and extend it and make a stadium seating. We can figure it out, we can make this thing happen. And, and so someone said, well, you can't get a loan. And, and, and I'm like, well, we gotta figure out, I went to all these banks looking for a loan. We're not gonna touch you, we're not gonna touch you. Someone stood up and said, you know what? Forget the banks. I'll loan you the money because I know you're good for it. And, then, and they loaned us the money to buy the building. <laughs> and so we, we, we buy the building and, uh, and then someone else stepped up and goes, well, you're going to have to have some money to start repairing and remodeling. And I said, yeah, we're going to. And uh, so they stepped up and gave us a half a million dollars to start repairing and building, restoring the building. And we're like, Wow. 
God's opening the doors. And so we started doing this. The first thing we needed was to enlarge this area and close it all in. We finally got it enlarged and closed in and leveled out that back end where the kids are at because that was a batting cage. It was all the floors slept, slept like that. And this was an indoor soccer field at one point. It was crazy. And then so we blew it all out, got it all, got it all sealed up and sealed in. And then Miss Sally came and visited us. Remember Miss Sally? You may have saw pictures where it took this whole thing and took it like a tin can and just crinkled it down. The whole wall was gone, the very brand new wall. Metal, iron, everything just crinkled. You could have parked a plane inside this building. And we're like, what in the world is going on? And what you did, you were amazing. We didn't even work on this building for a long time. We just forget this building. There's people who got trees on their houses. They need tarps on their houses. They need ice. For four days, you gave ice away for four straight days on the parking lot in front of the big thrift store there on north, the north of the thrift store. And, and for four days, we handed out ice left and right, left and right, left and right. Forget about the church. We are going to be the church in the middle of a disaster and the middle of a hurricane. And we, we, God will take care of us. That's no big deal. And so once the hurricane started settling down, we started getting our lives back together. We started coming back in here, started remodeling the process again. And, 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 and can I say before all that happened, there was COVID. Come on. There was COVID where we had to shut down for two weeks and we had Easter service on the parking lot, a drive-up service. And many of you were there. How many were there for the drive-up service? Look at you. Come on. I mean, we're doing stuff. Out. We're trying. I'm, I'm up in Tennessee going through treatments, well, not going through, supporting my wife with treatments while I'm trying to figure out how to have a service online to people that are not able to come to a church because we're told not to get together. At the same time, we're raising money for a building that we're not even supposed to go to. But you know what you do? You put your head down and you just keep persevering. You keep showing up. You keep walking. You keep one step at a time. One step at a time. I mean, people were like, you're doing what? You're building a church in the middle of a pandemic? Are you kidding me? Mask up, boy. You're not even supposed to be around nobody. And then somebody said, well, when you open back up, we're not going back to that Glen Lakes place. That's a Petri dish. That's nothing but a science project over there. I'm not going to that building. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so we opened back up over there. No, I knew no one was going to come. So I said, okay, we got to do something else. We had to shut down again because there was a, a, a second wave that came, I think, in August or whatever of that year. We closed down for a couple more weeks. We negotiated with the Alabama Music Hall. Something about red metal buildings I'm in love with. I don't know what it is. Went into that place. You were there. You, some of you there had three services. You know, you had, hey, what's up? When we had so much space, you know, between everybody. Hey, hey. I mean, we're, hey, hey. We were just, we'd show up at 5.36 o'clock, the worship team at the Alabama Music Hall to set up and tear down. First thing we had to do was go take the Budweiser horses off the platform and stick them over in the closet. Some people didn't want to come because there was like beer signs in the back. I'm like, I can't do nothing about a beer sign in the back. We're just going to have to come. This is where Jesus is at. I mean, he, he's bigger than the beer sign. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Sometimes you have to persevere. I'm going to give you real quickly a few perspectives on pers perseverance and we'll hit point number three. How do you persevere? Number one, you've got to pray 
for God to help you persevere sometimes. God, I don't know if I can do this. But Jude chapter one, verse 20 says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, you know, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost for a whole year. I still pray in the Holy Ghost. I, I'm building myself up. I'm persevering. And number two, I realize that perseverance is an action word. You gotta keep putting steps in front of steps and after step and a choice and make an act of the will. And number three, you have to allow others to challenge you to persevere. Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, how two can defend themselves, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What that tells us is that you need people around you to keep persevering. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The way you persevere is others are with you carrying your burdens in your hearts. Cry. We also learned, number four, about perseverance, that outcomes from perseverance are huge. James 1.4, again, going back to that scripture, he says, let us persevere, finish the work. Why? So you can become mature. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to get mature. Come on. So you can be complete. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them you need to get complete. Come on. You're incomplete. And so you can lack nothing. In other words, you have everything you need. And you only got to that point because you kept putting one step in front of the other. I don't know. I don't want everything within me wants to run. It wants to sleep. I want to get a bag of potato chips, sit on the couch, and I want to just wish this all went away. But you know what? I got my brother over there called me up and said I need to get in a small group. I got that sister over there. She's been praying for me. I, I, I think I'm connected. I, I've been putting on my worship music. I, I forget about the potato chips. Forget the couch. I, there's something going on that God wants me to do. I'm just going to keep pressing through. I'm going to keep persevering because something's happening inside. I don't understand it right now, but I believe it's taking place uh, and I believe I'm becoming more mature and complete uh, and I believe at some point uh, there's not going to be anything that I desire other than him. That's all I want. Each decision to press on makes me even more mature than the last step. And point number three, God will always bring provision. Year three. The year three. God will always bring provision. You know, I, I don't know about you, but do you ever walk into a setting and feel like you're missing something. Am I talking to somebody this morning? You ever walk into a setting or a situation and you just feel like, I don't know what it is, but I'm not sure I have everything I need for this situation that I'm in. I, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of have this propensity, and maybe it's a weakness, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's a strength as well. But whenever I walk into a setting, especially something like this, I'm wanting to know, what do we need? 
what are we missing? We need some lobby music. We need some coffee. What, where's the, we need some greeters. We need some people to host somebody. We need some parking lot. To, what, what is it we need? Uh, where are we sure? What's going on? What, what do we need at this moment? I, many times I find myself just walking into settings, and the first thing I'm doing is going, what do I need? I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something. Recently, I, a guy in our church here, we, we decided to go to the old Alabama Music Hall where we used to have church and we heard that they were having cornhole tournaments. In fact, I think there's some really good cornhole players here. And I thought, I said, hey, I'd like to do that. The last time I've been in that building, we had church. And so th- th- we walked in that particular night and, and we're going to have a cornhole tournament. We're gonna, I'm going to be a part of our cornhole tournament. And so I... Now, 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 you got to understand, when I, when I play cornhole, we, we have these little bags that we picked up from Sports Academy, and, and it's got a little talcum powder in there, and we just have some hot dogs and hamburgers, just have a lot of fun. I, I've started getting used to kind of how this thing feels and how to throw it, and I feel like, hey, I'm ready for this tournament. And so I don't know what to expect. I've never been to a cornhole tournament. I walk in, and, and as soon as I walk in, 60 people are there. I count them. I'm counting. 60? I didn't know there were 60 people even knew what cornhole was down here. What is up with this? And they had these really slick, nice, professional boards. They had this, like, every, behind every board was like this pole with a computer on top of it. Oh, yeah. They had a TV monitor up there with everybody's name that registered. They had a registry. You had to register. They had, they had, all, I'm thinking, I'm missing something. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? You walk into a setting and you feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> I'm thinking, I need probably money. Did I bring money? Uh, I thought we were just going to have a little backyard fun, you know. I'm going to need money. Do I need some kind of a registration form? Do I have to pass a test? Do I need a certificate of some kind? What do I mean? Who do I talk to? And, and I didn't even bring my bags. And I started looking around, and I noticed that no one had a bag like this. I'm like, what kind of bags do these people use? They're using the wrong bags. They all had these big, big fluffy bags. They had these big, nice, fat bags. I'm like, what is that? I don't have a bag. I'm telling them, so I said, well, we'll just be, you know, what's going on? And so I, I started looking around. Do I know anybody? I found somebody I knew. I said, hey, dude, do you have to have your own bags? Yeah. I said, well, can I, do you have any extra bags? I, I need some bags. I don't have any bags. And so we got paired up and you got paired up with different people. And so we're, we're paired up with this, uh, I'm paired up with this person on the other side and, and, and my, this young kid, he's next to me on my end. He's my opponent. He's, he's like 12 years old. No kidding. And he's got an opponent. I mean, he's got a partner. And so you, you, you warm up a little bit before you. And so his partner, this 12 year old partner threw his bags down and Lo and behold, he threw this kind of a bag. That kind of a bag. That one right there. The, the one that I always play with. The only bag like this in the whole building. And the little kid looked at that bag and went. 
And then he threw another bag, second bag, third bag, little kid goes, what in the world is this? The 12-year-old kid says. So it was the fourth bag, the little kid picks up the bags and goes, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Throw it back to him, get him a real bag. I don't know, man. <laughs> I feel so out of place, so inadequate, so underqualified. As soon as I got back home, Melissa said, how is it? I said, we're getting new bags right now. We're getting new bags. I went over me some brand new bags. If y'all want to know what a real bag looks like, y'all come see me afterwards. I'll hook you up. It's called the sniper. Come on, somebody. What I found is that many times we walk into situations and we feel like we're missing something. We don't have what it takes. And we think about all that we don't have. And we don't look about around what we do have. My Bible says that my God is more than a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He provides everything that I need. I'm walking into the situation. The bank says, we're not going to touch you. Uh, okay, we'll give you a bridge loan. You can buy the building because we know that you'll pay us back. And we have done that. And, and before we even got to two years old, because banks are not supposed to do this before you get two years old, we had a bank come to us and go, you all are awesome. We want to do a bill, deal with you all. Can we get a loan with you guys? And we're like, absolutely, absolutely. And, and God has provided every single step of the way. God, we... We needed to, Lord, Lord, we need a place to launch a church God provided. God, we need our own building God provided. God, we need a place to grow while we build God provided. God, we need a loan God provided. God, we need favor with a bank God provided. God, we need someone to build the building for us God provided. God, we need someone to help us landscape God provided. God, we need someone to install stadium seatings. We don't know what we're doing. God provided. God, we need more land, 25 acres. God provided. Oh God, we need your presence. God provided. God, we need more staff. God provided. God, we need more outreaches. God has provided. God, we need an outreach into the jail. God provided every single step of the way. Our God provides a way when there is no way. Come on, church. Come on. Come on, church. Declare it before the Lord. Come on, Lord. There's nothing that our God can't do. No. Declare it. Come on, sing it again. Come on, sing with everything you've got. Make it a prayer. Lord, can't do nothing, 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 nothing. Your marriage, your marriage, your, your, your finances, your health, your job situation, your housing. There's nothing that your God cannot do. He makes a way. He's a providing God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Raise the name that makes.
I believe this morning there's some people here and you and your heart have not established a relationship with your God. And what God today brought you here to remind you that whatever you've accomplished in life is nothing compared to a relationship with Him. Until His hand is placed upon your life because you've surrendered to Him, then you're gonna find yourself empty. So I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm asking you this morning, you say, Pastor, today I want to know Jesus. I wanna make Him the Lord of my life. Right where you're at, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me right where I'm at. I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Would you do that? Come on. Man, yes, see those hands over there on my right. Come on, I wanna know Jesus as my Lord. Up there on my left, in the very back, yes, in the front center. I wanna know Jesus. I wanna make him the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen, yes, down here in the middle in the center. Yes, sir, I see that. Anybody else, I wanna know Jesus. Yes, sir, yes, sir, I see that. I wanna pray a prayer with you, just like I prayed with my my friend for yesterday in the hospital after 12 years, I prayed this prayer. I said, if you'll just pray this prayer with me, everything will change. You will become a Christian, a born again believer, a follower of God and a son of your God. And so I want you to pray this prayer. I would like all of us to pray this prayer together with me. Would you say this together? Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins and thank you for hearing my prayer. From this point on, I will follow only you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand for those that raised their hand and prayed that prayer. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Those that raised your hand and prayed that prayer in the lobby on the way out the door, we have a free Bible we want to give you. We also have some literature we want to pass in your hands. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, and we're going to have a prayer time for all of us together one more time before we leave. But I believe here this morning that there's some people that you've found it really hard to persevere recently. It's been a little bit difficult. Together, remember Ecclesiastes says, a three-fold cord is not easily broken. And I believe there's some people here this morning also that you found yourself in need of provision. And the Lord wanted to remind you that he is your provider. So can I pray over you one more time? Would you just close your eyes and let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you are our provider. You provide for all of our needs. And not only do you provide for our needs, Father, but you also come and you help us persevere and put one step in front of the other step. You've been a good God to us, Lord, and we dedicate our life unto you. And we give you all the thanks, we give you all the praise, in Jesus' name, amen. And amen.